And then uh, after the recording, is it okay if once we're done with the interview, uh, we post the recording on our website so that way everyone can be able to hear your full opinions on different topics? Yeah, absolutely. That's perfectly fine. Okay, then let's get started. Uh, what is your name and how do you spell it? Uh, Andrew Flett, A-N-D-R-E-W-F-L-E-T-T. What is your history within the Francis Howell School District? Uh, within the district, I mainly just live in the district. I haven't worked for the district, but I've been a teacher for a little under a decade, so I have history and experience, just not in Francis Howell. Uh, what is your educational background? Uh, went to Lindenwood. I originally went to uh, Salem High School. Uh, that's South Central Missouri. Came up to Lindenwood to play football. Uh, got my degree in education and graduated from there and started teaching. Uh, what is your current occupation? Uh, currently, I am working as a roofing salesman and I am working with uh, online web design for apparel stores. So that's mainly my, my main job. My summer job is the roofing job, but uh, uh, doing on online apparel sales and developing web designs. Okay. Uh, what made you decide to run for the Board of Education? Uh, well, getting out of teaching was a big reason. I spent a lot of my time working in a uh, ISS position using restorative practices to focus on mental health with uh, high-risk children in both a high school and middle school setting. So I, I dedicated a lot of my time and career uh, working with children and focusing on that mental health. And and, you, and you're in high school, too, and you realize that mental health is such a, such a huge thing for kids and being able to be a cog in the machine on a board that mainly focuses on mental health is a big reason why I push for it. I'm out of teaching, but I still believe that mental health is a main priority, and that's that's what drove me to do it. How would you describe yourself as a candidate? Um, a common sense candidate. I'm not driven by political agendas. Um, I consider myself right in the middle, and I think that a lot of things happening in this election have polarized the politics. And I've chosen to stick on focusing on the kids and focusing on the teachers and developing strategies that help out you guys the best, not just what helps out a political party. How do you think the current Board of Education is doing now? Um, I think after what happened with the, uh, the financial situation with North, I think a lot of people really uh, focused on the school board. So I think the school board is doing better now that there is a new superintendent, and I feel like transparency is doing a little bit better, um, I think there's more that can be done. I'm pushing on the idea of getting full-time ISS positions that focus on mental health um, and, and to meet the requirements that other schools have. So, so even though I think the board is doing great, I think they need to meet the needs that other schools provide. So Fort Zumal already has an ISS position, and Winsville got one last year's full-time job. So I'm just – I like the board. I just would like them to meet the standards that every other school is providing. Uh, overall, how do you feel about the curriculum in the Francis Howell School District? I mean, that's set by your professionals. That's set by – not only people at the state level, but among your building. I'm not looking to interfere with how how it works. I think being transparent about what's being taught is important, and I think that all teachers are developing their uh, their portfolio of what their lessons are. 
So that's that, that's admin's job is to review that portfolio and make sure that that portfolio meets those state standards. So it, my opinion is as long as you guys have, as long as the teachers have transparent portfolios, there's not a problem. They should have the freedom to teach, but we should understand the guidelines that are being taught, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, is there anything in the curriculum that you would try to change if you are elected? Um, no, I think if anything, I, I think the biggest problem that a lot of people are complaining about is the CRT issue. I think the biggest issue is evaluating what is being taught and what class it should be. I think a lot of these things comes down to whether it's not, it then comes down to whether it should be taught or shouldn't be taught, but where's the appropriate place for it to be taught? So is that your sociology class, psychology class, that should it be put in your history class? It's trying to figure out what information you want the kids to learn and where's the appropriate place to learn it. And that's part of the transparency. That's part of the portfolio. What's being taught where? And I think that's the best teacher way of looking at it. So you brought up uh, CRT. What are your thoughts on critical race theory, and how do you view the district's current treatment of the topics associated with it? Uh, here's what I told both groups. As I said, I agree with 70% of it. I think a lot of the history that goes into what they're talking about is crucial and needs to happen. A great example is uh, uh, Black Wall Street. I'm assuming you've heard of Black Wall Street and all of that, have you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't learn about that until my 30s. I wasn't taught about it in school, so I find a problem with that, you know what I mean? So the fact that I didn't learn about that in school, it should be in school. But I think that if there are certain classes that are meant for college, you keep them in college. But that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think you use common sense approaches and use what's valuable. And the more advanced stuff that's causing such an issue, either lead them up to your sociology and psychology classes or teach them at a college level. And I'm perfectly fine with let, having a program at SCA that kids can use at any time or go to, but now it's in a college class instead of in the high school. So the idea of getting rid of it, no. Where you place it is the importance of it. So what are your thoughts on fiscal policies? Um, I leave that up to professionals that understand the financial side of it. That's not my strength, but I think it's important to be, just like anything else, transparent. It's important to know where the money goes and understanding where that money goes. So as long as there's a clear understanding of what's being spent and why, and it creates and generates community support, I would support it. I would be hard-pressed to support any financial decisions that put us into debt if the community, A, didn't know, or B, the community doesn't approve of. I think that's the big factor when it comes to financial things is what does the community think and how much do they know. Hmm. Uh, speaking of where the money is going, how do you feel about the district's current funding allocations? I think that it's being addressed, and I think the people that caused the issue are now gone. So it's important for the community and even the students and teachers to understand that the problems that happened, or at least the people that caused those problems, are gone. So now, at least for me, I'm focused on the healing and transparency part of it to where we, we still have money. We're not in loads and loads of debt. We're not in a financial crisis. So it's important from here on out to be honest and transparent about the money and to continue having 
communicate open communications and not only board meetings, but these roundtables that are being held. It's important to have that transparency going forward to avoid what happened earlier last year, the year before. Uh, speaking of last year, how do you feel that the Prop S spending was handled? I think that was the main issue. That was, that's where it all went wrong. I think is I think I think the pr- previous superintendent and the previous CFO were trying to handle a little bit of damage control, and instead of being transparent about it, they tried to fix it on their own until they realized they couldn't. And when they brought it to the board, the board just kind of went, uh, why did you not tell us about this? <laughs> and then the community found out, and I think that's what caused the big, the big uproar. But like I said before, it's important to tell the community that the superintendent and CFO that caused that are no longer here. And I, I really like how the superintendent and CFO are handling themselves now. And it's so far, it's been pretty transparent and pretty positive, at least in my opinion. How would you try to help with the staffing issues within the district? Uh, number one is I would try to help out your special ed communities. I'd really try to help out the para shortage because those are the kids that need it most. Uh, I think we should pay paras the most in the area. The moment you have the highest pay, people will come to you. Not only will people come to you, the best will come to you. So if you can fully staff your uh, your para program, and then later fully staff your substitutes, it's going to relieve the teachers that keep that pressure of I can't take off and especially relieve your special ed program that goes, I have no help for the kids that need it the most. And, and like I said, I'm not a financial guy. I don't have the back end knowledge and experience. I've been a teacher. So that's, that's the simple fix for me is just if you pay parents higher than anyone else in the area, parents will come to you. And that's, to me, that's the easy fix, but I don't know if the entire community would support that. But that's what I believe in. Uh, What would you do to try to help the students within the district? Uh, Help out the mental health. At at the end of the day, uh, when I say mental health, yeah, everyone needs help with that. But my main focus and what I did was really helping your high-risk kids. And, and, and a big reason that really pushed me to do this was the shooting in Uvalde and all shootings in general. It's not the straight-A student. It's not the jock. It's not the good kid that's doing the shooting. It's the high-risk kids. And, and, I, I, and I hope you understand this when I say this. Have you ever entered a classroom and everything's great except there's that one kid that's causing the problem that changes the culture of the entire classroom? Have you experienced that? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, that kid – that's the kid we need to help because that's the kid that generally is at the highest risk of taking things into his own hands. And that's what I want to prevent is to prevent that kid from becoming a continuous worry in the classroom. If you help fix that one kid, you fix an entire classroom. And that's kind of what I'm trying to bring to the kids because we had a lot of success at it whenever I did it at my school is whenever you, if you, you're not going to change all of them. But if you change a few, you can help change a culture. And I want to be able to help change the culture within the school by bringing a positive mental attitude towards the kids that need it the most. So speaking of mass shootings, how do you feel about the safety of our district? I mean, it takes more than locked doors and SROs to make a school safe. At the end of the day, you can't go to kids and go, well, look, see, there's guns here. You're safe. That kids aren't going to feel safe about that. You, the kids should feel safe in the bathrooms, in the classroom, in the hallways. The way you do that is knowing that you have teachers that are prepared and observant 
and to have those mental capabilities to help the high-risk kids whenever they get suspended or in trouble, and especially for kids who aren't getting in trouble, but the kids are just saying, I can't handle this, this is stressful. There needs to be a correct outlet to achieve and a seamless out- outlet that is actually effective. And honestly, I would love to hear the, the student feedback on how mental health is addressed within their school and what changes you all want to see. Uh, that's I have tomorrow the sub-orientation, so I will be subbing within the district within next week, hopefully. So I'd like to learn more about what the needs are for the kids and what they need. Uh, do you think there is an issue with how mental health is addressed in our schools? Yes. Uh, describe to me how if whenever kids get in trouble and get suspended, where do they go? Uh, I'm not entirely sure about that. So what I've been told is that if you get suspended, there is a room where you go where a different teacher comes in every hour. Is that pretty accurate? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so to me, that just seems like whenever you get in trouble, you go into a room, a different teacher comes in to say, sit down, shut up, do your work, and they help you with your work, and they don't ever address the discipline and the why of the reason you're in there. Uh, my goal is to put someone in that room that addresses the behavior the entire day while keeping those teachers that are there for subbing. That way the teachers don't, the teachers that come in don't have to focus on the mental and discipline side. They can come in and say, I can help you with your work one-on-one while that full-time ISS teacher says, I'm here the whole day to focus on your behavior, to focus on why you did it, to help you prevent doing it in the future. Not only is it going to help that kid get better, but it's going to help the classroom he goes into because now he has checks and his him or her has checks in their head to make them say, oh, this is bad. And then you help out the entire classroom, not only that entire kid, if that makes sense. Yeah. So and that's And that's how I want to address it. Don't get me wrong. I think mental health needs to be addressed for everyone. But what I'm bringing to the table focuses on the high-risk kids as well as other kids that might need it in the moment. So do you think that schools should educate students about different sexual identities? Uh, No, I think life teaches you that. (laughs) I think it's not hard to figure that out. I never had the school to teach me about it, but I still figured out that we need to understand and respect all different cultures and sexual identities. I think think that's just something life's going to teach you. The school doesn't need to address everything with with kids. It's the same thing with sex ed. I don't want to touch sex ed with a 10-foot pole. Your parents can teach you that. Your life life can teach you that. Not everything needs to be taught in the classroom, and you just open up a can of worms when you start messing with that, so the best thing for the school to do is be hands-off. So that's that's my approach. As a teacher, that's my approach. Uh, Do you think that schools should limit what information is available in their libraries? No, I think that it should be transparent and it should be rated. Um, what I offered up was a opt-in, opt-out system, specifically for our middle school, where uh, all the schools are rated and parents can choose um, which rating system they want their children to receive. I also think that when you get up to high school and you start getting to an age where you can have the freedom to read what you want, you should have that freedom. So what I offered up at one of the board meetings was – any book that becomes an issue or is deemed too explicit, you just move that book to your city library, and all city libraries offer online cards to all the high school kids that they can check books out online or in person at the library. 
So I want I want to provide the world for our children, but understand that the world doesn't need to be within the school. The school has to keep its boundaries, but we should be able to offer it for those who want it and protect the kids whose parents want to protect their children at the same time. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So speaking of the parents, do you think that parental influence over the schools is important? I think parent understanding through transparency is important. The parents should know what's happening. The parents don't have the decision on what happens in the school, if that makes sense. Because it's it's important that the school provides information on what they're doing, but the, but the parent can't come in and go, I don't want to teach my kid that. I don't want my kid hearing this. Okay, well, if you don't want that, send your kid to private school. Because this is what we're doing. We have to teach kids of all cultures, races, and nationalities. We have to cover the gambit. So if there's something you're uncomfortable with based off your faith or your beliefs, go to a school that carries your faith and beliefs. And I, that's, I, I stand hard on that. I, parents have a role. That role is to not dictate curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you keep everyone's voices heard as a member of the Board of Education? Um, I like what our, our current superintendent's doing by doing these uh, open house, town hall, uh, roundtable things. I think that's great. Uh, I think it's great for many opportunities for parents to get involved and hear what's going on to their school. I feel like that lets parents hear it and be heard because people can speak at board and speak at those roundtable events. So any opportunity you can get to do that is what's best for the community, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, do you think that more vaccines should be required for students or for teachers? I think that's a, see, that's another thing. That's a family decision. I don't think the school should mandate anything. Uh, and that comes down to beliefs. Some people believe in the vaccine. Some people don't. I am vaccinated. I would encourage anyone to get vaccinated. But it is your God-given right. <laughs> you live in America. You don't have to get a vaccine. You don't have to get vaccines to your kids. And so that's part of being accepting in school is you have to even accept those that don't want that and you can't force it. In the same way, you can't force people to stop teaching CRT. You can't force the opposite and tell kids and parents that they have to get vaccine. So playing the middle is a hard game, but that's the game I'm playing. And that's I know it's kind of a wishy-washy answer, but that's that's kind of what the school is. is we, we don't take hard stances on that, and I wouldn't either. Either you get it or don't. It's a personal decision, not a school decision. How much direct control do you think the Board of Education should have over schools? I think we are an oversight committee to make sure the schools stay transparent. That's another reason why I'm running is among all the candidates that are not only on the board but are running, I'm the only one that has educational experience, especially educational experience in a COVID classroom. Because, I mean, do you feel education has changed since COVID? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so understanding what that means and the chaoticness that has happened in an oversight committee really helps. And to be able to be that conduit between the community and the school to be able to communicate the needs is very important. It's not our job to step in and go, here's how we're doing things. It's what are you doing? Here's some advice to make it better. Let's take a look at what you're doing. It's oversight, and that's its main role. Uh, how do you feel about state or f- federal regulation of the school district? Oh, and I hate state regulation. I hate it so much. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> that's, part of what dri- that's part of what drives teachers out of the classroom. Um, there is a major teacher shortage. There's a major staffing shortage. And a lot of it has to be. Teachers know that there's it's bad pay. Teachers know that kids. 
kids can be disrespectful. Teachers know that principals can be disrespectful and not run a good program. But whenever you start looking and understanding state regulations, you got to understand that your administrators aren't necessarily looking at your kids or looking at you guys as students when they make decisions. Sometimes they have to look at the regulations. And I'll give you an example. So say a kid throws a chair across the, the room and hits a kid in the face. Okay, That kid's in trouble. So when that kid goes to the office and he's a repeat offender, your administrator has to not only look at that kid's behavior, but has to look at the percentages of attendance rate, uh, suspension rates, to look and see, oh, if I suspend this kid and he's not in school, it's going to lower my attendance. If I lower attendance more, I'm going to lose funding because of state standards. So instead of disciplining that kid based off the rule, they'll go, yeah, we'll suspend you for three days instead of ten. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you two weeks in the IFS room. That way you don't hurt the percentages. But at the end of the day, you create a daycare system for your highest risk kids because you're scared of disciplining them because you're scared of losing money. And that is not the right way to teach. And that is a big cornerstone of why I am running to end a lot of those unnecessary no child left behind regulations that cripple the administration and their ability to discipline. All right. I'm about done here now. So thank you for one for everything you've answered today. Uh, what is one more thing that you would like the voters to know about you and your candidacy? Uh, just mainly that I'm, I'm a normal guy running for this. I'm not anything that's, that's politically driven. I'm here for the community. I'm here for the kids. Um, I am uh, spreading as much information as I can about school choice and what it means for your district when it happens. I think the community and even the kids need to understand that when school choice happens, it's going to feel like college, if that makes sense, especially in your athletics realms. Because kids can go where they want, and the taxpayer money will follow them. So you're going to have situations that will require recruiting, and that's um, it's a big component of what I want to do, because if we are proactive enough, with school choice, brings super schools and schools that are dominant in athletics and dominant in academics because we bring the best and the brightest of everywhere. That is what I'm pushing for, and we will be one of the best schools in the state because we were proactive to the state changes that came to us. You can't rebel against it. You just have to accept what's coming and be, do the best that you can from what you're given, and I hope that makes sense. Uh Thank you. Oh, sorry, I actually skipped over a question earlier. Uh, so just one more, and then I'll let you go. Uh, how, how do you feel about the school district's use of standardized testing, and do you think that we are seeing good results from them? Uh, I mean, as a teacher, <laughs> less so than a, than a political candidate, as a teacher, I, I don't understand testing. That's my opinion. Uh, most uh, countries in Europe in fact, all countries in Europe don't really use standardized testing to figure out your money. Um, so I, I've never been big on standardized testing, but my opinion on it, and like I said, we live in the world that we live in, and we have to work with what we work with. So with standardized testing, my big thing on improving standardized testing is just to help improve the mental health and make the kids want to be there, especially during your testing time. Like, like, it's usually during the end of the year, right? Like, your EOCs and your math are always towards the end of the year. So if you can make it to where the kids want to be in school during that time, 
whenever they have to do the sucky stuff that is the testing, it would encourage kids, hey, I want to do well on this because I want to be here. And that's part of the reason why I think sports is so great is if you buy into the stuff you want to do, it's going to force you to do the things that you don't want to do. So the more kids that I can get in extracurriculars and buy into the school, I think kids will buy into the standardized testing. But at the end of the day, I hate standardized testing. I think it's horrible and it should go away, but I'm in the unpopular opinion on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much for taking this interview. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I guess the only thing I would add is what do you find as a, as a student needs that need to be held up within the school the most? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I should be answering questions right now, but I, I like oh. what you've been talking about with all of your – how you're really driven on the issues that you're passionate about. Yeah, I, and that's it's passion that drives me, and it's – if you had asked my top two issues, I think it's mental health, and I think it's uh, I think it's understanding what school choice brings. I think you, you can't play the to it. And, and at the end of the day, I, I'm going to respond to not only teachers but students. And if students aren't happy in the school, we're going to do what's best for them. And, and I get you can't answer questions. You're the interviewee. But uh, but that, that's part of my goal in wanting to come in and sub is to talk with the kids and understand the culture of your school a little bit better. Because if you understand the culture, you understand what changes to make. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's really that's really it. Okay. Uh thank you for your time. All right. Uh and